You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Adrian from Moon Essence, and we're going to be talking all about women's health and Eastern medicine because she is an Eastern medicine practitioner, and you guys know how much I love Chinese medicine, herbs, acupuncture, all the things. So we're going to talk a lot about how that incorporates with women's health specifically today. So I'm so excited for you to tune into today's episode and learn a little bit more about Eastern medicine because it's not really something that I've touched on much in the podcast, but it's been a huge part of my own personal health and healing journey, especially with hormones. Huge fan of acupuncture. I've done a lot of Eastern medicine herbs, and I think that their approach is very nuanced and fits really great with a lot of things that we're doing in the functional medicine space. And I think having that different kind of branch off can be very, very helpful for a lot of different people. So I'm really excited for you to hear her take and all of her wisdom that she has to share with us today. Awesome. All right. Well, Adrian, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. This conversation is long overdue. We've had to schedule it and reschedule, um, but I'm so excited to have you here to be diving into all things uh, Eastern and Chinese medicine today. Thank you so much for having me. The conversation's happening exactly as it should be. Yeah, I totally agree. So I always love starting the conversation with really what got you into the space that you're in now. What was your drive or your passion for leading to this area of health and wellness? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a sad story, actually. Um, I find that a lot of healers end up in that space through their own trials and tribulations, either with the system or their own health or whatnot. And my story is no different. Um, I am an Eastern medicine practitioner because that's where I found the answers to the questions that I was asking. So I spent years dealing with um, really horrible endometriosis symptoms. I was, you know, like the typical model of we don't know what we don't know. So I was put on birth control to quote unquote manage my symptoms. Um, And that caused issues in my system. I ended up stopping birth control when I had a heart attack at 25 years of age as a result of being on birth control. And it was just one of the many Uh, turning points in my life that led me to where I am now. So fast forward, I had an interest and a love for Chinese nutritional therapy. I had found so much wisdom and healing for my endometriosis, my fertility, my then at that time postpartum recovery uh, with my daughter in Chinese medicine. And um, met the love of my life and we decided we wanted to have a baby and we were very surprised to find ourselves dealing with secondary unexplained infertility according to the diagnosis we got from the allopathic model and being the why child I refused to accept that there was no why um, and that 
my infertility challenges were unexplained. So four miscarriages into it is really where I started down this path of we don't know what we don't know. Women deserve to have answers to these questions and understand what's going on in their body. And I got really fired up about it. And I found that herbalism and pelvic steaming and acutonics, the the synergy between all three of those really answered the call that I was looking for, um, for my own journey, but then translated into this major drive to help other people know what they didn't know and empower them so that they didn't feel like period problems every month were going to run their life and call the shots that, you know, they could plan their work around their cycle and really thrive in their work instead of feeling like, ugh, I just have to drag myself through this today or, ugh, I have to call out again. Is there going to be, you know, some negative consequence at my job because I'm in pain and I can't even function. Like I wanted to solve these problems for people. So that is the creation story of Moon Essence. You know, six miscarriages um, got me to this point. I've had seven all total and every single one of them gave me gifts that helped me help other people. And at this point in my life, it is just it is literally my soul's calling to just help other people live their healthiest and best lives. That's amazing. I am so sorry about your whole, I mean, the miscarriages, the issues with the birth control. And it's how I was going to ask, how long were you on birth control before you kind of started to notice some of those issues? Huh. Uh, right away, actually. Right away, um, okay. And it was one of those things that I kept asking my doctor about. I'm like, I feel depressed. I feel like I'm gaining weight in an unexplained way because I was an active person and, you know, I was playing a club sport in college and, um, you know, while I wasn't like a college athlete by any stretch of the imagination, I still was active, you know, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't eating terrible and I just couldn't figure out why I kept gaining weight. And, you know, then the mood stuff started. I, at first it was more like everything just made me angry. (laughs) And then eventually it just, it became this really deep, like sadness and um, underlying anxiety. And I kept asking questions about, you know, is, could it be the medication? I'm noticing my blood pressure creep up a little bit. Should I be concerned? And I kept being told, no, this is normal. You're fine. You know, you're young. There's no issues. And, um, I had gone to the gym the day before and spent, you know, cause I was on birth control for about 10 years and, um, I was 25 when I went to the gym the day before and had, you know, done a spin class and lifted and went home and felt fine and woke up the next morning and I had this pain in my chest and I'm like, ugh, this is awful. And the pain just like crept through my arm and into my back. And it kept getting worse as the day went along. I'm like, this isn't right. And so I called from work because, you know, again, you're 25 years old, you don't think you're having a heart attack, but 
you want to make sure, you know? (laughs) So I called my doctor and I'm like, should I be concerned about this? And the doctor was, it wasn't until I got to the symptom that I was having pain in my back as well, which at the time I didn't know is a common presentation for women when they are starting to have a cardiac episode of some sort. Um, And so that was the part where they finally decided that I wasn't having a panic attack. (laughs) They're like, oh, you should probably go get checked out. So went to the emergency room and was met with the same, like, you're young, you're just having a panic attack. They wouldn't even triage me. And that part started to make me panic because I'm like, you're not even looking at me. Like, this isn't normal Mm -hmm. for me. I'm young. I'm in shape. I eat well. Like, I don't understand why this is happening. And I, very uncharacteristic of me because I don't, I'm not the kind of person that likes the spotlight on them, but I started having a fit at a nurse's station um, because I had sat in the waiting room for a long time and nobody was helping me. And they essentially had told me to go home without even seeing me. So one of the times that the double doors opened, I was that guy and I like snuck myself in the open door and I went to a nurse's station and said, listen, somebody needs to triage me. Like I have a problem and I'm being stonewalled at the front desk outside. And I really, you know, I'm just, please somebody help me. And when these, you know, the volume started to increase a little bit, which again, totally uncharacteristic of me, but I was really starting to get scared. And um, I had an older woman come over who was the doctor in running the ER that night. And she was like, you know, what's going on? And she started a little gruff and I started to explain what was happening. And she asked me, are you on birth control? And I said, yes. And all of a sudden things started moving super fast. She started barking orders. I found myself on a gurney whizzing down a hallway. Like they just, all of a sudden everything was in motion. And one of the things that she said to me as she was running alongside the gurney was you will leave tonight, but you need to throw that pill pack straight in the trash and never take it again because you're not responding well to it. And I got hooked up to an EKG machine and I was having a cardiac episode. At least that's what they put it in my chart. And it was super, super scary for me. And I just was so grateful that it wasn't my time. And I just felt very drawn at that point to understand at a much deeper level what was going on in my system. And I wanted to be able to help other people not have that same fear and scary situation that I found myself in. Exactly. And so what from there led you to Eastern medicine? Well, you know, it comes back to that unexplained infertility diagnosis that I ended up getting like five or six years later. Um, I just couldn't accept that it was unexplained right? because I just believe that everything had an explanation. <laughs> like I just needed to find the answer. And so when Western medicine, you know, I, I sat across the desk from an IVF doctor who, you know, threw himself down across that desk laughing and said, your test results are fine. Your husband's test results are fine. I have no idea why you're having this issue, but we could do IVF with ICSI and then whisked himself onto the room with no explanation. I had no idea idea what ICSI was at the time. And I just like, I was sitting there completely in shock going, this was supposed to be the guy with the answers. I don't have any answers. 
now what do I do? You know, and the grief that ripped through my system to think that there were no answers for what was going on with me. And it just left me feeling like so hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I had to, you know, I had to grieve and get it out of my system. It was, you know, one of those monumental ugly cries in my life. Yeah. And then I'm like, hold on a second. Come on, Adrian. you're a smart woman. There has to be an answer somewhere here. And so, you know, I had found a lot of wisdom in Chinese medicine um, in my postpartum recovery because my daughter was pretty close to five years old at that time. And I had had kind of a rough postpartum recovery. When I stopped nursing, I started bleeding and it just wouldn't stop. And no Western interventions could get it to stop. And I was brain dead and trying to deal with a little person. And it was just so much. And um Chinese medicine in four acupuncture treatments and some herbs got the bleeding to stop. And it was like the clouds parted and the sun came out. And I was like, oh, there is a whole different way of moving through the world that clearly I have not been a part of. I need to learn more about this. And my acupuncturist who was literally the salt of the earth, a a gem of a woman. She still is. I just don't see her um, regularly anymore. I wish I did because she had such a fundamental role in my start in this way of moving through the world and um, the wisdom that I had, like I would go in for my acupuncture appointments and I would ask her for books and she would give me books or she would give me titles and I would have devoured the book by the time I went in for my next appointment. And she goes, oh my goodness, you're going to read my entire library. I was like, can I? Right. <laughs> I was just so excited uh, with everything that I was learning and I felt like all of these pieces were falling into place. And so you know, being hungry for that kind of information, that kind of knowledge, like she was the one that said, hey, you know, if you don't want to actually needle people, acutonics might be a really great option for you. You know, that was 10 years ago that that journey started. And, you know, it's all of those pieces just fell into place in this really synergistic, very natural as breathing kind of way. And Mm -hmm. as I started diving deeper and deeper down into that information space, I realized Eastern medicine holds the answers to why I can't do this, why I'm having a hard time doing this. And it, it gave me a way to to essentially be proactive about my health and my wellness and answering those, well, why is this happening questions? And I wasn't getting pregnant because of kidney yang deficiency and dampness. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Okay. That's so much more concrete when, you know, those definitions are explained to you, then it's unexplained. And now you're just lingering out there in outer space because my response to the IVF doctor is, but I'm getting pregnant. Why can't I hold the pregnancy? Mm -hmm. And I had done the progesterone suppositories, right? I, I had taken those steps. I had done everything that the Western toolkit was offering me. And I was still getting the same results. And Eastern medicine gave me a whole new lens to look at my body and how women's bodies move through the world. And 
you know, I've gotten to a point where the work that I do now, I align my workflow with my cycle. I, Mm -hmm. my periods are healthier. I don't have period pain anymore. My cycles are 28 to 30 days long. Like all of a sudden, just knowing how my body works and how to apply some of these Eastern principles, I felt like unlocked this door to a magical place where, you know, my whole life had been controlled by my period and pain and planning around my period up until that point. Right. Kind of backtracking a little bit to maybe for people who aren't familiar with Mm -hmm. Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, and their, their kind of forms of diagnosis, or when we say like, uh, liver stagnation or kidney issue, you know, can we, can we kind of dive into that a little bit? Because I feel like when I first saw an acupuncturist, I was in chiropractic school and I think everybody that went to chiropractic school, I think everybody's diagnosis at one point was like liver stagnation or liver cheese stagnation, (laughs) right? Because it's like, we're, we're stressed. We're not sleeping. We're over caffeinated. And it just, it makes total sense that like we are feeling brain fog or we have hormone issues or for men, the symptoms can look totally different, but can we kind of explain what some of those diagnoses look like? Because although I feel like there's definitely things that overlap, it's, it's for sure a different way of thinking. Absolutely. Um, I love giving these kinds of explanations because when you start thinking about it, you're like, Oh, that makes total sense. So, you know, think about traffic, on the interstate. I think this is the easiest way to create a mental picture around how these things work. So you have a bunch of interstate highways in your body that move fluids, blood, chi, these types of things through your system. And if there are any sort of traffic incidences in that interstate highway, it affects the way that traffic flows. So For liver chi stagnation, for example, there is a constriction that's happening. So it's a little bit like when you come up to construction on a three-lane highway and now they're reducing you down to two lanes or you have to merge left or whatever, right? So all of a sudden, this wider flow of traffic starts to become a little bit more constricted and you've got jersey barriers on both sides, right? So you really can't go anywhere. You just kind of have to stay in that lane. And if that lane narrows further, you have more stuff, more people, more cars that you're trying to fit through that more narrow location. And so that's mentally what I get for a picture in my head when I'm explaining liver chi stagnation, for example. And the root of a lot of menstrual imbalances comes from liver chi stagnation, which is driven pretty chronically by stress. It can come from, you know, lifestyle, other types of lifestyle factors, but stress is for women's bodies is the biggest hurdle because our primal brain is wired for two things, survive and procreate and survive will always win. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a hundred unanswered emails in your inbox or you're actually being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, which, you know, commonly doesn't happen in our urban areas anymore. Um, you know, your we don't, body's... We don't realize that our brain is still so wired that way that, like, 100%. you being stuck in traffic or you constantly being in a sympathetic state at a job or 
just in a relationship, like your brain literally doesn't know the difference between that and you're running from a tiger in prehistoric times. Absolutely. And because it generates that kind of response in your body, your body goes, oh, well, I don't need my uterus unless I get away from the tiger. And so we, one of the first places in women's bodies that we start to see the effects of stress is in our reproductive system. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether we're fertility focused or not. That doesn't have to be a focal point in your journey in order to to identify that, oh, my lifestyle, whether it's chronic stress or maybe it's dietary or not enough movement or whatever, is starting to show up in this constriction in my system because this is where we get PMS symptoms. Mm-hmm. It is normal to have some pelvic tension just before our period starts, but that will just get amplified. And then we start seeing the emotional related things or sometimes symptomatic. Sometimes people get cramping for three to five days before their period starts. You know, some people come into my practice, they have seven days of cramping before they yeah. get to the actual period. And then once the the dam opens and the water starts going down over the stomach, still, so to speak, and the actual blood comes and begins to flow, sometimes that initial flow really feels awful. You might have an intensification in that pain for the first couple of hours or the first day. And then as things get flowing and moving more smoothly, right, the there's no longer this block on the highway, the highways open back up again, and the traffic's starting to pick up speed. So you feel better. A lot of people, when they come into the practice, they will say, you know, I feel like a crazy person and then my period starts and it's like, oh, oh, this is so much better. (laughs) I feel normal and I'm sorry for all of the things that I said five days ago, (laughs) you know, and a lot of it comes from like liver cheese stagnation, which is where you get the slowing. Clots will tell the story too. So smaller clots tell you that you have some chi deficiency or your vital energy in your system is a little weaker. That can be taxed because of stress. In a large majority of cases, it is taxed because of stress. Um, you your larger clots you know when people are talking about clots that are like quarter size or larger because you know small versus large is all relative based on the person right so if if they're quarter size or larger you're looking at blood stagnation so this is more like having a traffic accident on the highway and not having all the appropriate signage saying hey we're narrowing the road so you need to work on moving over this is more like ooh we had an accident that is now blocking two lanes of this highway nobody knows what's going on everybody starts getting mad at the driver in front of them and then you have to get yourself down into that one lane, but everything gets stuck. And then also with accidents, you have the gawkers on the opposite side. (laughs) So you've got the slowdown on the opposite side because they're rubbernecking, trying to see what's happening with the accident. And then the people stuck behind the accident. So that's more blood stagnation. Okay. There's something that's blocking the free flow of the the actual blood moving, but there could be an energetic component as well. And blood stasis is where you get the big clots and usually the super sharp stabby pain. 
And that is more like you have a pileup on the interstate and nobody's going anywhere for a while. And then slowly as you start to clear the debris, things start to move a little bit more smoothly. And the more the debris is cleared off the highway, the more traffic starts to pick up. So those are really great ways to kind of think about the flow of energy and blood and fluids in your body and why certain symptoms will show up from a Chinese medicine standpoint. I love that. So what are some ways that I, I, I really appreciate that explanation because I think that makes it very easy to understand. It makes it so much more digestible for people to picture what that looks like and relate it to their body. So because you are using um, other modalities and not just needles, what are some ways that we can use Chinese and Eastern medicine to be able to help troubleshoot some of these issues, whether it's stagnation or circulation um, yep. the body's ability to kind of remove what doesn't need to be there. What are, what are some modalities that we can maybe use at home kind of DIY and then all the way up to some of your favorites that you use in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is where I have found that the focal point of my practice has been education since the very beginning, because a lot of times these issues arise because we don't have an intimate understanding of what our cyclical body needs throughout the month. So I have a podcast called the Reproductive Rebel Podcast. And right now in in the episodes, we're going through like what's going on in the cycle in each of these phases. And then talking about what it means to be a cyclical being because men experience their hormones in 24 hours. Women experience them in 28 to 30 days. Mm -hmm. And just that difference alone is the difference between you know, you understanding that it's normal for you to feel more tired at different parts of the month. And there are parts of the month where you feel like you can multitask and do everything with a backflip and a twist. And you're very extroverted and social. Even if you're an introverted person, you want to go and do the things like it's because our hormones are, are guiding that process. And when we understand what our body needs in each of these phases, be, becoming more aware that our body is a cyclical being that will often align itself with the moon cycle. And that's why we see our cycles being 28 to 30 days because the lunar month is 29 and a half. You know, our, all of a sudden we have an appreciation for, oh, the menstrual site, the menstruation portion of our cycle is like wintertime. We want to pull inward. We don't feel like being social. Forcing ourselves to be social during that time frame strains our energy. So if we keep our foods warm and easy to digest, we keep our body maybe a little warmer than we normally would, making sure you're covering to the collarbones, that's going to support the fact that your body is doing a big process when you're in your bleeding days. And you've, you've got to kind of care for yourself in those three or so days after you come out of your bleed because you need to give your body an opportunity to replenish some of the resources that it lost. Because mm -hmm. even when you're very mindful of your health and energy in and energy out, 
you know, your body does a cha-cha every month where you take a couple steps forward. Okay, I've rested. I've done really good. I ate all the things. It's going to be great. And then you take a couple steps, you take one step backwards because you lose some of it when you bleed. And then you take a couple steps forward and one step backward. And that's okay. That's normal and that's to be expected. But that's where if we, you know, we're not trying to hit a personal record powerlifting on day seven of our cycle when our hormones aren't there to back up the activity and we gently work our way into doing those more rigorous types of activities closer to ovulation, our hormones are going to support that. We're going to feel less tired. The follicular phase is where you start coming out of your little shell because remember you've been introverted. It's winter. It's hibernating in your system when you're in your bleeding days. Follicular phase is more like spring, that bursting forth, that budding energy, right? The days are longer. The sun is warmer. You want to be outside, right? So your internal energy and the needs of your body emulate what we see outside the window in terms of the season. Ovulation is like the middle of summer. So, you know, if you're gradually increasing the intensity of your exercise, movement is really important, but movement needs to happen in a cyclical way. Otherwise, you're depleting your body and opening the door for certain types of uh, period-related issues to walk through. So ovulation is where I typically, um, can you tell what phase of my cycle I'm in? Because this is where you're the most verbal. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're the most extroverted. You want to network and be social because whether fertility is your goal or not, your body's trying to get pregnant, right? So it puts you out there with opportunities for that to happen. Our libidos tend to be highest during that time frame. It's just like the peak of the middle of the summer, longest days of the year, bright sunshine, the way you feel under the bright sun in the middle of the summer with all of its vibrancy is the way that ovulation should feel. Now, it doesn't show up like that for everyone, and that actually tells a story about the imbalance that's going on in the system. But for the majority of us who aren't using any sort of hormones, that's how we should feel during that phase. And then the luteal phase is more like autumn. And, you know, you're, you start nice and bright and vibrant in the early luteal phase and you start to pull inward. Your body is, is designed for planning tasks. Think about preparing your house in the fall before winter time when you're not going to be outside as much. So, you know, all of those types of tasks, as your energy starts to turn from being very external to more inward, you know, honoring that change and planning your tasks, your life, your workouts, those types of things around that cyclical nature, that in and of itself can really reduce period problems, cramps, feeling like a crazy person or a fire-breathing dragon, as some of my clients describe it, just before the period starts. Because you're not overtaxing energy that isn't available. Mm-hmm. You're actually working with the strengths and the gifts that our hormones give us as we move through our month. So you're really big into kind of like cycle syncing, 
balancing your cycle with different foods and movement and stress throughout the month. So, right. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's very much more of an Eastern approach to it that, you know, your month is kind of like a, a microcosm of mm-hmm. the four seasons of the year. And if you're eating foods that are in alignment with the energetic needs and the physical needs in each of those seasons that you know, you flourish the best and you're not overtaxing your chi in any way. Yeah. So for people who don't know, can you explain chi really quick? And then I really want to get into maybe some of the favorite foods for each season. Um, because I know when I first started going to acupuncture and they explained your digestive system is a fire, I mean, (laughs) this completely blew my mind. So I want to just pin that and I want to definitely come back to that, but can you quickly explain chi for people who maybe have never heard of it. That was a very interesting concept for me when I first started going to acupuncture and learning about all this stuff. Yeah. So chi is your vital energy. It is, it's the catalyst that makes things happen. Um, I don't know if I would liken it exactly to a fire. I have heard made, I have heard some people make that correlation, but I see it more as like that that soul level energy. Um, and you know, when people are chi deficient, they will, sometimes they'll come in and they'll describe it as feeling soul level tired. Like there's a physical body tired, there's a brain body tired. And then there's like this tired where it just, it doesn't feel like anything can touch it. Um, Mm -hmm. that would be like a way a chi deficiency would show up. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I guess by fire, I meant more of like your digestive system is a fire, like digestive yeah. fire, not chi is a fire. Sorry if that was confusing. No, um, I I just in terms of how I've heard colleagues talk about it, I've heard them make the fire analogy before, but I think about it a little differently um, than yeah. that. But yes, in terms of digestive fire, I describe it to my clients as if you've ever tried to burn green wood. You get a whole bunch of smoke and no flame or very, very little flame and everybody's coughing and gagging and it, you don't get any heat from that and it doesn't consume the wood. So Mm -hmm. when you have strong digestive fire, it's like burning dry wood. You know, the wood is fully consumed. You get a nice, bright, hot fire. That's how your digestive system should be working. And because we don't have certain flavors in our typical Western palate. This is why a lot of Westerners struggle with digestive issues because, you know, your, your bitter and your sour are very commonly found in like sauerkraut or kimchi or fermented vegetables, like those types of things help to, to stoke the fire so that anything else that you're putting into your system, digestive bitters is a way to do that too. If you're, if you're looking for like natural options, um, digestive enzymes can do that. But, um, the whole idea is giving your stomach the tools that it needs in order to fully consume what it is that you're putting into it. The temperature with which you are taking in your foods does affect it as well. Men and women are both sensitive to extremes. Women are a little more sensitive to extremes because we lose some of the coolant in our car 
right? Your blood helps with that temperature regulation. And um, because we lose some of it during our menses every month, it is normal to feel cold just before your period starts for some people, you know, or having a harder time to keep warm, which is why covering up during menstruation is really important. Um, So the same thing happens in terms of the foods that you're taking in in your your diet. So, you know, just like a hot beverage can have, you know, 48 hours of circulatory boosting support, you can get equally as many hours, 48 to 72 hours of depressing the circulatory system, having iced and um, straight out of the refrigerator or frozen foods and beverages. So, you know, a lot of times I'll see people who are experiencing cramping, there will be a correlation with, you know, frozen fruits or ice and smoothies or ice cream at dinner time, which is a cooler, you know, more yin part of the day. And then you're introducing this colder thing. Um, And, you know, they'll have bigger clots and they'll have more pain. Um, If you're taking in that smoothie, but doing it at more of a room temperature thing, which I know Mm -hmm. there's probably people listening to this that are coughing and gagging at that idea. But, um, (laughs) you know, if you at least take the chill out of the berries and then put all of the things in the smoothie, you know, minus the ice, you're you're still going to get all of the nutritive benefit, but you're not going to have that that dampening of the fire effect in the stomach, you're going to, and the other thing is when the fire is damp, I mean, um, dampened in the stomach, oftentimes they'll pull energy from the legs. So the lower jaw up into the middle jaw, right around your belly button in order to be like, Hey, we need more energy to be able to digest this thing. And it will pull resources from other parts of the body. Well, It is not uncommon for women to have cold feet, be cold from the knee down to the toe, um, stuff like that, and see this issue with digestion. So burning with dry wood is what we're looking for. And some of that comes through having things that are um, supporting our digestion, like this, this bitter, sour kind of flavor, uh, vinegar, you know, Mm -hmm. a little astringent as well. Um, that will help to prime the pump. Um, I'll tell people like apple cider vinegar is a great way to do that if you're looking to do it in a fairly inexpensive way. So like Bragg's unfiltered um, apple Mm -hmm. cider vinegar is a great option to do that with. Um, But what, you know, doing that 15 or so minutes before you put food in your stomach, you're going to see a really big difference in terms of whether you bloat after you eat or whether you feel like you're actually empty and ready for your next meal, for example. Yeah, no, that, that is again, great analogies. It makes it so much easier to understand. And I think it's these little simple tips that when you can put it in a perspective, what's going on at each cycle, which foods we want to be focusing on. And I think some people get like completely wrapped into that where they're like, oh, so this food's only good for this cycle. So I can only have this food during the cycle. I think we tend to mm-hmm. overcomplicate it a little bit. I don't see it as necessarily that it's like, hey, this is what's going on physiologically around this time. These are things that you just want to be even more mindful of including during this time. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Like women 
always will benefit from dark leafy greens because it helps to build blood. They're bitter enough that they help to move the blood in the system, move energy in the system. Um, but there's certain points in your cycle where you're going to want to place a little more emphasis on that. Um, just like in the springtime, we place more emphasis on green um, and, and that bitter flavor. So dandelion uh, tea or... Um, uh, your kale and spinach and, and chard and things like that. It's you're putting emphasis on that in the follicular phase because it's all about substance. You're working on rebuilding the, some of the blood that you lost or the nutrients that were lost during the bleeding process. Um, during that phase, it's helping to prepare a blood rich endometrial lining and a nice healthy follicle for ovulation that month. We focus on those foods in the spring time as well. So if you think about the cycle in those four seasons, the way that I was talking about, and you know, if you're interested in a deeper dive in that particular area, I have a course called Not Your Mama's Menstrual Course that dives into this in a, in a little bit more detail. But, you know, in the winter time, it's the season of the kidneys. So we're focusing on blue and black foods. The same is true during our bleeding days of our cycle. So the follicular phase of our cycle is like, springtime. That's where we focus on those green foods, right? So it's the same in, in the nature cycles that we see outside of our window as the cycle that we're experiencing inside of our body as well. Ovulation is like summertime. Summer is the season of the heart. You're going to be looking at red foods. Red foods are going to build blood also. So, you, you know, you can pull some of those red foods into your bleeding days and into the follicular phase, but they're going to be very beneficial in that summertime energy inside your body and outside the window. Same thing with the luteal phase. You know, early luteal phase, you're looking at your orange and yellow vegetables. That's going to help people with cycles that start early or you start spotting red or pink prematurely before the actual day the bleed shows up um, or cycles that start too early. Um, that's that late summer energy. And then um, in the fall, that's where you have your white foods. So, you know, those help the lungs when we're looking at autumn outside of the window, but it's also going to help in the luteal phase of your cycle. So you can eat in the four seasons of your month the same way that you would eat in alignment with the seasons outside your window. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's more, yeah, like we mentioned, just kind of focusing on, hyper-focusing on some of those foods or being diligent. Okay. I'm in my luteal phase. I'm going to add in some yellow and oranges. I'm going to add in some squashes and things like that, mm -hmm. which is interesting because even in the, in the West, the holistic side of the Western perspective, that's, those are progesterone boosting foods. So that is interesting mm -hmm. how they do very much so correlate with a little bit of that Eastern perspective. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I think it's really cool too, when you look at it, because, you know, Chinese medicine, it was against their religion to cut into the body and to examine the inner workings outside of an external pattern recognition system. And this is one of the reasons why I love 
Eastern medicine because a lot of the things that Eastern medicine understood, Western medicine came to understand later through their own diagnostic exploratory process. And it, you know, while there's different vocabulary that's used between the two systems, there is so much synergy between the two. And, you know, a lot of what I do in my practice is all about education because understanding the interworkings and, and being able to marry the language between what their doctor is saying in a doctor's office and understanding their personal lived experience, being able to marry the two of those things makes for a very empowering process for women to be able to take control of their health. And so that, you know, by the time they get to this perimenopausal menopausal transition in their life, you know, I get a lot of women in their late 30s that come in and go, am I having period problems? Am I perimenopausal? I don't know what's going on, but I know that I don't feel right in my system and I don't like what's going on, you know, and a lot of that is liver cheese stagnation, like we talked about, that constriction, it's been building up over a lot of years. And every time you're chased by that tiger, your your reproductive system goes, nope, I'm not a priority. And you do that over enough period of time and throw some kids in there and tax your you know your kidney energy your your fertile energy a little bit your your kidneys also hold your longevity right and so we we pull on that bank of energy and if we're not replenishing it eventually it's kind of like spending down a bank account you get to a point where you get to a super scary number and go oh crap i got to do something about this and right. so you know if we're mindfully moving through our menstrual cycle by the time we get to this big transition, it's not nearly going to be as wrought with symptoms. There's not going to be as many symptoms when they show up. It's not going to be as scary a transition. And all of those memes that we have out there that normalize, okay, doesn't mean that it's normal. They just normalize these adverse symptoms because there are so many people who have them. It's just like PMS. They We normalize cramps. They're not normal any form of pain, and I know that you know this with the work that you do too, pain is your body's way of waving a flag and going, hey, there's something not right in here. Like, please help me out. (laughs) Yeah. And we just ignore it and try to silence it so that we can just kind of continue with the hustle bustle of life, which I get, but it's, it's just, it's that check engine light that's telling you to pay attention. Absolutely. And we ignore that check engine light so much. And mm-hmm. as female bodies, bleeding bodies, are, we're also very emotional bodies. And, you know, our emotional state is really influenced by how we're caring for, guarding our energy, supporting the the flow, not no pun intended. I mean, this is mindful movement during your month, you know, making sure you're getting out and getting some fresh air every day. Like it doesn't have to be really huge things, but you know, maybe you work in a big corporate office and you have a timer on your watch and every hour you get up and you do a lap around the floor, take a bathroom, Blake, fill up your water bottle, whatever, then come back to your desk. You're punctuating that stress response and your system and you're not keeping it under a constant state of duress. And little tiny changes like that are the difference between being bent over with cramps and being able to manage your life or maybe even thrive during each phase of your cycle. 
Exactly. I love that. And now I think that was very well said. I had so much fun talking today. I think we could totally do a part two into everything. Um, but well, as we kind of wrap everything up, can you let listeners know where they can find you? I know you mentioned your podcast, how they can connect with you and kind of learn about the work that you do. Absolutely. Um, So I am the hostess of the Reproductive Rebel podcast. I started the podcast because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And I'm really passionate about empowering people to know what they should know. Um, And we all should have been taught this stuff from the beginning, but a lot of us weren't. And so I'm trying very hard to fill that space so that, you know, you can live your your best life. Um, You can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at moon essence me, M-E. those are the best places to find me because then, you know, all the classes that I offer through the Dow of Women Institute, it's really easy to find all of those resources from there. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll make sure all those are linked in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I love talking with kindred spirits that work in this space and I love your program and all of the resources that you're sharing with people. And, you know, if you're open to a part two, I totally am as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's still so much I feel like that we could, could go into and talk about. So I'm excited to hear what questions the listeners have and yeah, maybe we'll, we'll be able to do a part two. That would be awesome. I would love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate your knowledge and your wisdom and taking time out of your day to come on and talk to the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It has truly been a pleasure.